Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for Friday, April 15th, as the Flyers will get set to kick off a back-to-back game weekend and a home-and-home with the Buffalo Sabres. And then there were eight, eight games remaining in this NHL season. Like I said, the Flyers will be back at it tomorrow against Buffalo, 7 o'clock, and then Sunday at Wells Fargo Center, 5 o'clock on Easter Sunday for the second half of the home-and-home and back-to-back. Then the Flyers are going to travel to Toronto on April 19th, take on the uh, Leafs, and then Thursday, April 21st, head to Montreal, take on the Canadians. Then they'll return home to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then they'll see Chicago and Winnipeg on the road, and they'll return home on the 29th to take on the Ottawa Senators and wrap up the 2021-22 season. And we'll head into an offseason full of question marks. We'll get to that in a moment. I guess this is one of the question marks is, Who's going to be the backup goaltender to Carter Hart next year? Uh, we saw Felix Sandstrom play his second NHL game the other night for the Flyers and perform well again. He's looked pretty darn good for the Flyers. And we've heard, you know, the conversations about Ivan Fedotov, who's playing in the KHL right now, played in the Olympics for the Russian team, having a very good season. Fedotov, not a young guy. He's drafted many years ago. He is a, a guy that's fully matured at this point. Um, but I did see this tweet from, I was actually alerted to it by uh, Danny, who had tweeted me on Twitter. Uh, Danny Dan Matos said, uh, Hi, Jason, not sure if you saw Alex Appleyard's comment on Fedotov. If the ring size he's been playing on has been mostly NHL size, as has been the case, um, in the KHL, could you see a scenario where they go with him on the Flyers if the mess in Russia can somehow be resolved? In other words, getting players over from Russia that have no precedence of having a North American work visa. Um, so while, yeah, the, the smaller rink and him playing on it already, it does help. It helps marginally, I think, um, But because I don't think that that was the biggest factor to begin with. I think the biggest factor is that the North American pro game is so much different in approach and so much different skill level, NHL, KHL. KHL is a good league. There's a lot of skill there. It's nothing close to the NHL. So while you can have success in the K, and some players, and we've seen a lot of Russian goaltenders come over, whether it's Igor Shosturkin or Ilya Sorokin or Andre Vasilevsky, Bobrovsky many years ago, jumping from that league to the NHL and having success and being able to adjust to that is not as just simple as, hey, the ice is the same size. So, you know, Alex put out a tweet. And I just respectfully disagree with him here. He said, Ivan Fedotov had another monster game today in the KHL playoffs. Came up big in a must-win Game 7 uh, to send Scott to the Gagarin Cup final. And uh, he stopped 26 of 26 shots for the shutout in a game they were outplayed in. His record in the playoffs, 12-3, and a 9.40 save percentage, a 1.68 goals against average. He said uh, he will be the MVP if they win. Then... Uh, Danny actually asked him, do you believe he could step into the NHL? And Alex said, yes, I think he could play right now and be an okay backup most likely, or at worst, be a meh backup. Ice size is a lame excuse these days with KHL since 90% of the games are on NHL or Finnish ice, as basically no one has Euro ice anymore. So yeah, I, I do agree that if you have played some on the smaller ice, then yeah, that mitigates that. Um if you've only played on the big ice, it does have a little bit of an effect. There's a spatial awareness, and the game is different with more real estate out there, especially with the width of the European ice compared to the North American ice. But just the sense I get is that, you know, 
that is a huge risk to what's a pretty important position for the team. And while there is some savings, which we've talked about, but the difference in the games, I think is where Alex is kind of underselling it here. And I think Alex does a great job, but I just disagree with him on this one. And I, I remember this article that I read, and I went back to it, and I found it. When Ilya Sorokin was coming over from Russia to join the Islanders, and you know the article goes like this: it, you know Barry Trotz was asking what the biggest adjustment was, was, and you know they asked him if English will be one of the biggest adjustments, and he said, "No, he speaks better English than I do, much more clearly than I do." And he said Trotz thinks Sorokin has adapted to the narrower NHL rinks, but it is the this is Barry Trotz speaking: the quickness and randomness of the NHL shots that he's going to have to get used to. Now, he did have a, a fellow countryman, Semyon Berlamov, um, said traffic in front of the net is the biggest difference between the KHL and the NHL. It's a little bit more of a perimeter game in the KHL than it is in the NHL. And here are the quotes from Semyon Varlamov, who had played in the NHL, gone back to the KHL, and then came back to the NHL. And he said, quote, there's definitely more traffic in front of the net for NHL goalies. He said, I remember in 2012 when I played in the KHL during the lockout. He said, I had no problems during the game to be able to find the puck. And then we finished the KHL season and came back. He says, it was very difficult for me to play the game here again because it's really hard to find a puck through traffic in this league. And I think that that's a huge point because we see, you know, the way to score in the NHL is not through clear-sighted shots. It is through east-west passes and taking the goalie's eyes and space away. You see it all over the place. And in the KHL, 26 saves on 26 shots, it's great. And he's got good numbers there, and it's a decent league. The issue is the NHL is so much different. You're talking about the best players in the world and just to be able to find the puck. And I thought it was interesting because Varlamov, who had played in the NHL, went over there, said it was no problem. Then when he came back, it really kind of accentuated how hard the puck is to find through traffic in the NHL. So I just don't think that Fedotov is a guy that's going to just jump over here next year and come in and, and be successful uh, going right into the NHL. I think the NHL, you use me, hear me use the term quite a bit, is too unforgiving. It's not an area to adjust. It's an area that when you're refined, you get to. And to me, there's an adjustment period that needs to happen in the AHL prior to the NHL. Um, so thanks to uh, Danny for hitting me up on that. Um, real quick, in this episode, too, talked about the fact that, you know, the offseason ends two weeks from today, and we're going to head into this offseason chock full of question marks. And as I was kind of preparing for today's podcast, thinking about, you know, what do I want to talk about in this episode? You know, kind of what's been going on? The last week's been really discouraging. All the injuries, the loss against the Islander or the Capitals, 9-2. to two. But I said, okay, let me figure out what's like the five most important points that need to be addressed this offseason or that need to resolve in a much better direction to move this team forward. How they move forward from the 29th when the season ends and going forward is all that matters. You can't do anything about this season anymore. All that matters now is how you move forward. So what are the five big things moving forward that can start to plot a better course for this Flyers team. And one of them is organizational path and timeline. You know, we have different opinions on timeline, a lot of us. You know, the rebuild, 
extreme rebuild, tear it down and rebuild it, the retool or the aggressive retool, all those different terms, what do they mean? What is the organizational path and what is the timeline for that path? You know, I don't think that'll be articulated to us, a timeline, but in my opinion, when I look at the situation with this team and the contracts of Ryan Ellis and Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, and others, you look at it, I go, if I'm going to rebuild this team, if I'm going through a tear-it-down rebuild, I can't really tear it down because I have those three players on contracts that really aren't movable right now. So I, that kind of is what it is. There can be some kind of maybe middle ground between retool, aggressive retool, and, and rebuild, and I think that's where the Flyers go. I tend not to worry about the semantics of exactly what was said in that Dave Scott and Chuck Fletcher press conference. You know, what they do is going to be more important than what they say. And to me, the most logical way to move forward, and I think you could move forward in this way, is to come back next year. Don't have one of those off seasons where you go crazy trying, reaching to get better. Almost come in next year going, okay, we're willing to take a step back again next year. I'm not trading James Van Riemsdyk to a team where I have to send any kind of asset, whether that's a prospect, a draft pick, or anything. I'll just play out the final year of his deal, and I'll get the cap space after. I don't want to give up any equity for just next season because in some ways that might be short-sighted. So, And then I have another not great season next year. I'm also going to be drafting high. Got to nail the first-round pick this year. Got to nail it next year. Now, you don't have to have a superstar, but it's got to be a very important piece for this Flyers team. So, again, it goes back to organizational philosophy, too. What is? What do we want to be? What's our identity? That's got to be figured out heading into this process. So, those are really big things. The other big thing that's going to help chart the future of this team, obviously, is roster changes. And, again, I wouldn't go bananas this offseason. I would look at the free agency class the year after, the 2023, and I would look at the 2023 draft and value that and try and shed cap space and not tie myself to more money that has got some risk to it. You got enough enough risk in this roster right now. Roster changes, I, I tell you, if it was me, I probably wouldn't do a lot this offseason. And I don't want to see the tweets about Oh, is Chuck Fletcher's phone working? To me, I wouldn't do a lot. I would probably turn my phone off to not tempt me <laughs> if I was the GM. Um, another huge thing, huge thing, is development of young players. We've talked about this before, but this offseason for a lot of players is really important because there's a lot of guys getting a lot of information. Morgan Frost. This offseason is epic for Morgan Frost. Epic. He's got to have a great offseason and come back next year with no doubt about it. NHLer, you know, 48 points or more a season kind of guy. That's the kind of offseason he needs to have. Then you look at, I mean, guys like Joel Farabee need to develop further. Cam York's got to have a half, have to have a really big offseason. You're going to look at Zamula trying to put on muscle and weight and strength. Does everything else at the NHL level. He just needs to add muscle and strength. All of those young guys, Noah Cates, 
I think Ronnie Adderd's probably more ticketed for the AHL next year, which is fine. Let him play there and develop. Being here now is fine. But I look at all of those things, and the off-season development of young players, to me, is paramount. Absolutely paramount. I mean, health is obviously one of the top five things that'll kind of be resolve themselves this offseason. You know, Sean Couturier already back skating. That's great news. Ryan Ellis, that, that's a huge question mark and one that carries a ton of consequence. I mean, Wade Allison is a huge question mark because he just can't stay healthy. Will he ever be able to stay healthy long enough for us to really see what he can be at the NHL? But health is paramount. This team has been just riddled with injuries this year. So getting healthy and the ability to stay healthy. Like for Ryan Ellis, I mean, the big question mark, are are you going to be able to be relied upon to be in the lineup? I think it'll be an effective player if if he's in the lineup, but that right now seems like a really, really monstrous if. And then also on the list, and these are in no particular order, about charting the future, is who's going to be the next head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. Again, that's all going to stem from a lot of these areas of organizational path and timeline. Not every coach wants to come in for a rebuild. Not every coach wants to come in and try and push forward with a veteran group that he didn't assemble. Not every coach wants to come in with a certain type of team. Some coaches have the ability to pick the team that they want to coach because their style fits the team. Then, obviously, the roster changes. The health of players, off-season development, all of those things. Who's the next coach going to be? And what is and what will that hire tell us? I think is going to be really intriguing as well. So all things to look forward to coming up in the offseason. But we're two weeks away. Still eight games to be played. And the Flyers will be back at it coming up tomorrow when they take on the Buffalo Sabres in Buffalo Saturday, in Philadelphia Sunday. We will preview the game coming up on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. So everybody, enjoy your Friday. I think I maybe gave a few people something to think about. If you want to hit me up with any responses, you can always hit me on Twitter, at Jason Mert. DMs are open as well. If you have a longer type response you'd like to get on there, I'd love to get your thoughts. Everybody, have a great Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Day. It starts with one I don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind. I'm designed to to explain in due time. All I know. Time is a valuable thing. Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings. Watch it count down to the end of the day. The clock ticks.